The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. I am glad you are along for another edition of Your Dish. On Clubhouse Conversation, it's Dave all coming to you after a game that no doubt left a bitter taste in our mouths. As the Royals lose to the Astros 6-1 to after they saw a no-hitter for six and a third against Lance Throat Slasher McCullers Jr., if you think back to that wild playoff series in 2015. And the Royals were staring one of those no-nos right in the face. You're frustrated there. But then all of a sudden, Lorenzo Cain... Breaks it up with a triple after six and a third. Huge play, right? And a two-out hit by Mike Moustakis ties the game at one. And you've seen the best seven innings by far that Jason Hamill has thrown as a Royal. Looked fantastic. Missed bats tonight. Really had the breaking pitch working. And, you know, those two things together, a little timely hitting, getting an ace out of the game. And a nice job from a guy you signed expecting to be a lot better. Those two things happen. You think, okay, we got Soria and Herrera. It's a 1-1 game. We're at home. We got the momentum. Cousin Moe's on our side. We're going to get three out of four, right? You're thinking about that. But then, unfortunately, uh, a nightmare of a ninth. Five runs. You know what happened. Kelvin Herrera, Peter Moylan unable to get things going, and it was keyed by a dagger. Two-run home run to straightaway center by Jose Altuve. The Royals do get this split in this series. This, this is the best team in baseball we're playing, so no anger here. You know, I'm fine with the split against the Astros. Astros could be the favorites to win the World Series, along with teams like the Washington Nationals, of course. Got to look at them in my book as the two favorites. But the Royals also win this season series. They don't, you know, they don't only not only split this series, but they win four to three for the season series over the Astros. So that is good. But let's talk about the current state of the Royals, and let's talk about the upcoming road trip. I want to look ahead. It was a nice series against the Astros. We've seen some good things happen. We've seen Jorge Bonifacio really starting to further blossom right before our eyes. And I've seen this kid play in the minor leagues for the last few summers. And I'll be honest, I didn't see him using the whole field like he is up here. He he reminds me of Salvador Perez when Salvador Perez first came to the big leagues, right? You, you know, he, he was a, a, a medium prospect, not somebody that was shooting up the prospect list, not somebody that you heard about all the time. And it, it just kind of happened quick. He came up, if you remember, and took it by storm that first couple of months he was in the big leagues. What was that, 2012, I believe, without looking? But came up here and did really good 2011, whatever it was. Came up here and did really good. And I remember being most startled with Salvi using the whole field and and seemingly having a pretty good approach at the plate, which sometimes you might chuckle at that hearing that now. But it was true, and that's what Bonifacio really reminds me of. He he looks like a complete hitter. looks like a, a major league veteran. I keep waiting for the league to adjust, and they have to a degree. He struck out a lot in this series against Houston, who really worked him up with fastballs in the zone and, and seemed to really miss his bat a lot. So the league will start to adjust, and we'll see how he adjusts. But what a start by him. So we saw that was very nice in this series. We saw Witt get his hitting streak up to a major league leading 19 games before he lost it in game one of this series. But that was nice seeing Witt you know, bounce right back the next night, get right back at it again. You know, he's a nice development piece right in front of our eyes as well. You know, Hamill was a, a very nice thing. So I just wanted to talk about a couple of nice things that we saw during this Astros series before we, I guess, move on abruptly to the next one. But to me, this next road trip, you've got three at San Diego starting tomorrow night, 9 o'clock here Central Time. 
Then you have two in San Francisco, a night game on Tuesday, a day game on Wednesday, and four in Anaheim. So you've got a nine-game road trip. And the Royals are currently sitting at 26-33. and 33. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, the Royals are five games out of first place as we record this. The Twins are currently ahead of the Mariners 2-1. to one. So a decent chance the Royals will be five and a half games out of first place when they begin their nine-game road trip tomorrow night in San Diego. So obviously by the math, they're still in this thing. And, and I sent a tweet out tonight that said it's really unfortunate you know, that Calvin Herrera has had some blowups in recent weeks because it's really hurting his trade value. And a gentleman tweeted me back and said, this guy, Royals battle back and lose a heartbreaker, and that's all you can think about. Well, no, that's not all I'm thinking about. But, I mean, I'm looking at the general health of the Royals. I love this organization. I love this ball club. I'm looking realistically at the big picture. And I hope that you will too, sir, if you are listening. But, I mean, I'm not hating on the guy because I appreciate – Somebody being that big of a fan. I do. I appreciate that because I'm right there with you. But I guess, you know, five, ten years ago, that would have been me being heartbroken tonight, being crushed. But I guess as I aged, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, working a full-time job and paying a lot of bills and all that stuff has made me a little more numb and maybe put things in perspective somewhere. I don't live and die with every game quite as much. Or maybe it's just the fact that I look at the big picture and, and I see an organization that is still in pretty good shape with a new TV deal coming up as early as this offseason or the one after, a chance to get the revenue back up there. I see a team with some nice pieces that they can move if they are not in this thing come late July. And spoiler alert, they probably won't be. We'll talk about that here in a second. And I'll tell you why I think that even further. You know, but they're in in a good spot. You know, how did they get to where they're at right now? A lot of it was that Zach Greinke trade, getting Lorenzo Cain and Alcides Escobar and Jake Odorizzi, who they eventually helped throw in to get Wade Davis in the trade with Tampa. And, you know, who knows what, what Jorge Soler may come, may become. It still could be a very big bat for the Royals, and I expect that he will. Point being, these guys that we're looking at moving now kind of came here the same way. I mean, some of them are drafted, obviously. You're Eric Hosmers, you're Mike Moustakis, and Salvi signed as a free agent over in Venezuela. But you get my point. So, you know, I, I did take a little grief for saying that tonight, but I, I, I didn't mean it vindictively or sarcastically. I, you know, it's too bad the Royals lost the game, but like I said, they split against the Astros. I'm not going to lose sleep or be angry about splitting with the best team in baseball and going 4-3 and three against them. But I am going to look at the fact that the Royals are probably not in this thing. If you listen to the dish here, you know I pretty much conceded this thing about three weeks ago. I'm the guy who put a big bet in Vegas, a big bet, trust me, a big one, and the Royals winning the AL Central. A lot of money to win a lot of money. I'm a guy who, in my heart of hearts, honest to God, believed that the over on 78 and a half wins was a complete joke and a complete lock. I thought 85 was the basement for this team coming into the season. When you look at all the factors, we've gone over them many times, but you know, being healthy again, being motivated for Ventura, being motivated for one last time together, being motivated for contracts, being the only team in baseball to be the two of the last three World Series. So, you know, you're talking to a guy, trust me, who's as optimistic as anybody. But the realistic side of me, yes, my heart says the Royals are five, five and a half games out, and they and they could still the math still says they could make a run, of course. It's still possible, but you have to start looking at the product on the field and, and this in specifically the arms going out there in the rotation now. Losing Danny Duffy is a gigantic blow to this team. And we haven't seen it so much yet, because Eric Skolan came up and had a really big start. 
And although Jake Junis got shelled his last one, the Royals came back and won the game. So, I mean, you haven't really seen, you know, the open spots in the rotation. Not having Nate Carnes is a big blow, too. Think how much nicer it would be to have Nate Carnes out there right now. And his rehab has really been slowed. It's no exact timetable for his return right now. That's not a good sign. Is Jason Hamill going to be Jason Hamill tonight? No. Is he going to be as bad as we've seen? Probably not. He's probably somewhere in the middle. But, I mean, you look at the rotation here, and it ain't real pretty. So, yes, the you know the math says the Royals are still in this, but you've also got a closer with an ERA pushing five in Kelvin Herrera. You've seen Joaquin Soria become a little bit more human in a few of the last recent appearances. You've seen Peter Moylan, a guy that was real reliable the first month of the season, starting to get lit up about half the time he comes in the game. You got a lot of injuries still on in this team. Manly Danny Duffy, you know, Nate Carnes. You know, we, we've missed Brian Flynn all year when he fell through a barn. Could have been a real big piece of this bullpen. Still could the second half of the year. Scott Alexander went through injuries and, you know. Anyway, the, the point being, the season is technically still alive. But let's go through this. 26 and 33. So you're five games out of first place, five and a half, whatever. But if the season's not already over as far as, and when I say it's season over, I'm talking about making the playoffs. I'm talking about, at this point, it looks like winning the division. I would have thought the division would have been over three weeks ago. I had no idea. I mean, I knew Cleveland would not be as good as everyone thought. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I thought they'd be a close to a 91 team, upper 81 team, and that looks very iffy at this point. When you've got guys like Santana being demoted to the bullpen and guys like Bauer and Tomlin questionable and Encarnacion as expected not doing what he's doing and Jose Ramirez is not exactly lighting the world on fire. Same with Brantley and Kipnis. I mean, that team's got a lot of question marks. We talked about that in a preview here coming into the year. Go back and listen to it if you don't believe me. So I'm not surprised by that, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I If you want to think the division's winnable, fine. And at this point, that's the only chance of getting into the playoffs. Jumping three teams is going to be tough enough. It's not not so much the game's back. It's the fact that you have to jump three other teams. And obviously, you're not going to jump what would it be, like eight other teams to get the wild card. So the only thing reasonable is the division, which I guess is good news. You'd rather have the division win than a wild card, right? But I think to even stay in this thing and have a chance at keeping this team together, because if the Royals don't keep this team together at the deadline, obviously there's no chance in the postseason. So in order to keep this team together, that's the first step you got to look at, even before you look at postseason. So let's look at this. The Royals, like I said, are 26-33. and 33, And they must go 6-3 and three at a bare minimum on this road trip. It's not early anymore. If you want to talk about the playoffs, you're going to have to acknowledge the fact that when the Royals get back from this road trip, It's going to be, get this, June 19th. So we're about five weeks ahead of the trade deadline at that point with the all-star break for those days mixed in. So you've got, essentially, you've got about a month of baseball once the Royals return from this road trip. And if you can't get fat on this road trip, there ain't no chance in hell you're going to win the division. Let's look at who the Royals are playing on this road trip. First of all, you've got the San Diego Padres who, if it weren't for the Philadelphia Phillies, would be the worst team in baseball. The San Diego Padres are 23-38. and 38. They are 15 games under 500. We'll go through who they're throwing out for this series. You absolutely have to sweep the San Diego Padres, period. You're sweeping the Padres. If you're winning this division, you dug a hole. This is what we talked about back in April and early May. 
when people were laughing and saying, oh, they're only 10 under, 9 under. How can the season be over? Because you've now got no margin for error the rest of the season. And we've seen the Royals ever since then play about 500 ball, right? They've been decent the last month. The problem is, though, when you dig a hole like that, you've got to play 600 baseball the rest of the season to make the postseason. And time continues to run out. And time continues to tick before the deadline. So throw the whole postseason talk out. Let's talk about getting good enough to keep this team together for one last run. Because if you don't get this team together in the next three, four weeks by playing better, you ain't going to make the playoffs, period. So your season ain't – it ain't. it's pretty early. It's only, you know, what is it, June? What is today? June. Eighth. It ain't. It's only June 8th. We got plenty of time. We're only five and a half out. No. Look at this right now as late August. You've got two things to make the postseason. First, you've got to make it through the trade deadline without unloading, let alone possibly adding, but that's probably a pipe stream at this point. But you have to try to get through without unloading if you're going to make the playoffs, right? I think we agree on that. You got to make that thing first, and that's going to be very difficult. But if you're going to get there, you're going to have to go 6-3 and three on this road trip against the 28-3-38 and 38 Padres. Then you've got two with the Giants who are 25-37. and 37. They are 12 under 500. Right? These two teams would be the worst in the American League by far. So you've got essentially, think of them as American League teams. The two worst teams in American League, if you're going to look at it that way. On the road. That's five games. You've got to win four of those five games. You got to win four of those five games because you've got no margin for error and you're seven games under 500. You win four of the five, you're still four games under 500. See what I'm getting at here? It's very difficult to come back from seven, nine, even four games under 500. Then you've got four with the Angels, but they don't have Mike Trout. The Angels are 31 and 32. It's a below mediocre team with Mike Trout, it's a way below mediocre team without Mike Trout. Go ahead and right now tell me out loud here, you know, you know, in your head, name me two starting pitchers on the Angels. Go. Not guys in the DL. I'm talking guys currently are in the rotation. Name two of them for me right now. Google.com will be your friend. You can't name them because they're awful and they don't have Mike Trout. This team has had Angelton Simmons hitting cleanup. This team has had Jeffrey Marte hitting cleanup. This team has had Luis Valbuena hitting cleanup. This team has Albert Pujols, who, yes, is at his 600th home run. Congrats to him. But it ain't, you know, your mid-2000s Albert Pujols. So 6-3, and three, don't even confuse it. That's bare minimum, and that's very doable. If, if you think you're going to compete for the division, you have to go 6-3 and three on this road trip. It ain't early anymore. You'll be home June 19th. And if you go 6-3, and three, let's say you do go 6-3, and three, you're 32-36 and 36 on June 19th. So you're still four games under 500 and probably about four games out of the division at that point, I would think. Because at some point, the Twins and or the Tigers and or the Indians are going to get hot. It's just the way things work, the law of averages. So even if the Royals go 6-3, and three, they're probably four out and they're 32-36. and 36. Even then, they've got to have a really good homestand coming up, and you've got the difficult Boston Red Sox coming in who are playing better. they got David Price back now. You've got to go to Detroit. you got to go to Minnesota. Even Toronto's coming in now with Donaldson back in that lineup. They're getting healthy and getting a lot better. So this is really your last soft, soft stretch of the schedule before the trade deadline. This is it, these nine games. This is a golden chance. If the Royals could somehow go 7-2 and two on this road trip, let's talk. You go 7-2, you're what, two games under 500? Then you can start believing again. Times are running out, though. That's how I wanted to phrase it this way to you. And let's say you have a winning road trip at 5-4. and four. 
you're still 600 500 see what i'm saying it's really difficult when you dig a hole. And this is why we went over this in early May and why I was so down on one of the dishes and basically telling you the season was over. Because while the mathematics say the season's not over, you got to use your head here. Five and four ain't going to do it. 31 and 37 when you're f- facing the two worst teams in baseball and a very bottom of the mediocre spectrum team, you've got to be able to go six and three or seven and two. All right. So here we go. San Diego, you would like to think the Royals will sweep this series when I tell you the pitchers. And I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Jahulis Shasin, I believe it is, is throwing for the Padres. And that's their ace, by the way. He started opening day. Julius Shasin has a 5.65 ERA pitching in a pitcher's park. Petco is a very pitcher's-friendly ballpark, even more so than the K for a good majority of offensive stats. Shasin has a 5.65 ERA, and that's also without a DH. So I always say you add about a half run. The guy is a 6-plus ERA pitcher in the National League. That's the first guy you're facing, right? The second guy you're facing in this series is Miguel Diaz, who's making his first major league start. He has a 7.50 ERA, okay? The third guy you're facing is Dinelson Lamette. And this guy's interesting. He's one of their top prospects. He's 2-1 and one with the 6.92 and has had three major league starts. So Chasin, 5.65. Diaz, 7.50. Lamette, 6.92. This is a San Diego offense that strikes out a boatload. Renfro and Hedges. Even our old friend Will Meyer strikes out too much for what he should be. Cordova and uh, Spangenberg. You can go through the whole lineup. It's not a horrible lineup when they hit the ball, but they strike out a boatload. But here's the problem. So we just talked about the the Padres pitching we went over that but let's take the blue glasses off and look in the mirror for a second on ourselves now we have Eric Skoglund going for the Royals one and one with the 4-3-2 by the way I gotta pimp our sites as we're talking if you go back click on current player interviews we interviewed Eric Skoglund the day after he signed a professional contract he had just landed in Surprise Arizona we got his first interview as a Royals official signing. So first ever media interview with the Royals with Eric Skoglund is right here on the website. You can listen to it. Neat kid back then, even more so today. I encourage you to go back and check that one out. But Skoglund comes off of just two innings against Cleveland after the rain delay in that game against Trevor Bauer that the Royals lost, giving up, what, five runs or four runs in those two innings. So, you know, shut down the Tigers. So we don't know exactly what we have here. I, I like him against a team that strikes out a lot and really is not very good. There's really not much about this Padres team that's good. They just are not good. For my money, they're the worst team in baseball. They're worse than the Phillies. Because at least the Phillies have some more advanced high upside arms like your Nolas and your Ikovs and before Velasquez went down. And they've got some nice bats that are maybe a little further advanced and don't strike out as much like Herrera and Hernandez and... Altier and some of these other guys that they have, Tommy Joseph. But I don't know. I think the Padres are the worst team in baseball. So, But but can you confidently guarantee and, and say that Skoglund will beat Chassin? No, you can't. You think he will, but you can't be sure about that. Second game is Ian Kennedy against Miguel Diaz. Well, actually, let's go over Chassin real quick here. He's pretty much a lifetime NL pitcher. Spent part of last year with the Angels. But other than that, was with Colorado back in 09, six years with the Rockies, two in Atlanta, and some with the Braves as well. So there you go. Anyway, back uh, the second game, Miguel Diaz is a 
lifetime bullpen guy, especially at the major league level. 21 games out of the pen this year with these sterling numbers in his 21 games. Man, I'm being kind of sarcastic tonight. Do I sound like a dick? I hope not. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, but I just, I don't know. I mean, listen to these sterling numbers, though. Diaz out of the bullpen this year. First major league start. 24 innings, though, out of the pen. 20 earned runs. The guy's given up a run an inning, basically. He's walked 13 in 24 innings. Struck out 18. So his season high in pitches, if you're wondering, is 26. So he's going to go 50 pitches max in game two against Ian Kennedy, who you're paying a lot of money to. You got to win that game. But am I sure the Royals will win that? I'm not sure because Ian Kennedy might be having some ill you know, effects still from his hamstring injury. Maybe pushing off his, and finishing. Maybe he's not there. He's not been good since coming back. And on the year, he's 0-6 with a 5.33 ERA. He did spend 2013 to 2015 with San Diego, Diddy and Kennedy. Game three, Jake Junis, 1-0, but he has a 7.84 ERA. Of course, it's like two, you know what, two starts. I understand that. But Dinelson Lamette is a big upside prospect for the Padres, 2-1 with a 6.92. Junis allowed seven runs on nine hits and three and two-thirds against Houston, got shelled. But as I mentioned at the top, the Royals came back and won that game, which helped cover that up. But Lamette. It got shelled himself last time out of Arizona. Seven runs and three plus. But his first two MLB starts, check this out. Five innings, one run against the Mets on the road. Struck out eight. So struck out eight guys in five innings with one run against the Mets in his MLB debut. Very nice. Second MLB start was against the Cubs. Five innings, eight Ks, two runs. 24-year-old with big talent is Lamette. So, again, this is the other problem that I kind of touched on and kind of coming back full circle from where we were talking about mathematically it's possible, but realistically it's not. And we're not hating on Royals, Royals guys here, but can you confidently tell me that Jake Junis and Eric Skoglund are going to be able to be 40% of your rotation for the foreseeable future and get the job done? These are two guys that were nowhere near top five, top ten prospect lists until very recently. You know, you've got a closer that's very iffy now. I mean, I, I'm not trying to cut on our team here, guys, but I'm just pointing out to you two things. Number one, the math may say it's possible, but that's not because of the Royals. That's because of how inept the AL Central has been. And number two, while the math says it's possible, do your eyes and your common sense tell you that this team is going to be able to make a run in the next, well, on this road trip, and then the next couple of weeks after that to stay together? It's not likely. What do I think will happen on this road trip? I said they have to go six and three. What do I think will happen? I think the Royals probably end up somewhere around four and five on this road trip, possibly five and four. I think they'll probably win two of these games in San Diego. I think Kennedy will win game two against the bullpen of the Padres. And I think the Padres will win either game one or game three. I think the Royals get two out of three there. They probably will split in San Francisco. And I think they get one or two of the games in LA. That's what I think will happen. We shall see though. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, I will be on this road trip going along. So, uh, there will not be a dish until the series when they get home against Boston. We'll have one then here a little less than two weeks from now. So that's the latest on that. But overall, you know, you, you have to look at where the Royals are at and and look for some good things. And there are some good things happening with this ball club. Like I said, you can go through the diamond and, and see them. You got moose chasing the home run record. That's a nice story. You got Wit 
absolutely doing a great job at second base. Even his zone rating on defense is third among second basemen, and I don't totally buy any of the metrics for defense. I don't think any of that stuff is really that reliable, but just goes along with the fact that he obviously can handle the bat and run a little bit and is a hell of a player. He'll be very useful, by the way, in these NL games with double switches and moving around the field and the such. Uh, you know, Bonifacio, great to see that. Uh, you, you you can even look down. I mean, obviously, Scoglin and Junis are nice stories. We'll see how they do. I'm excited to watch them pitch on this road trip. And for the foreseeable future, I thought Nate Carnes was throwing the ball well before he went down. But even down in Omaha, you've got Raul Mondesi tearing the cover off the ball. And quietly, this Royals system that I continue to say the last year is extremely undervalued and underrated continues to have some very nice years. There's, there's some. We'll talk about it more as the summer goes on, especially closer to the deadline. But there are some, some real nice stories going on on the farm right now for the Royals. And it's not from the guys you always hear about. It's not the Starlings and all the guys everyone wants to talk about, the guys that are at the top of the list, top 10 consistently or top five guys. There's even some nice movers that are going to end up in the top 15, top 10, that maybe were borderline top 20 guys, top 25 guys coming in to the season. So that's nice to see there are some good things happening within the Royals. So it's not all doom and gloom, and it will be an exciting time no matter what happens. We love our guys. Let's enjoy these last six to eight weeks together, this group. Hopefully it goes longer, but if it doesn't, if they can't pull off a good road trip and if they can't get this back together and get things going this year, let's enjoy the last time we have with them and let's look forward to seeing what Dayton Moore can do because Dayton Moore has batted pretty much a 1,000 on his trades for the most part since coming over here, going back to the Sanchez for Guthrie trade and the Grinky trade and you know all the different trades, the uh, even the, the one to get Irvin Santana when he gave up Brandon Sisk. The Tampa trade. Don't forget, of course, about the Will Myers trade. I mean, on and on. I mean, the, the Zobras trade was great. I mean, Dayton Moore is batted about a thousand on trade. So that's, you know, building bullpens and making trades are Dayton Moore specialties. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Either way, it's going to be a good next couple of months and a good rest of the season. And of course, a very bright future. And one other thing I had a tweet at Royals Clubhouse asking me if the Royals do fall out of this, how long do I think the rebuild will take? Well, that's impossible to say. We don't know who's going to be brought back at the end of this year. We don't know who Dayton will get in trade, who he will keep. We don't know who's healthy, who's hurt. We don't know how Gordon will bounce back the rest of this year. We saw, oh, that's another good thing we saw during this Astro series. Alex Gordon looked a little bit more like himself. The best series he's had this year at the plate. He's starting to, you know, got his first home run. But even before that, the night before that, game one of this series, his third at bat, he fouled a ball off down the right field line and ended up getting out during that at bat. But just the way he hit that ball in his swing was vintage Gordon, the best one he'd had all year, I thought. The next night he gets a home run. He's been getting on base a little bit more and looks a little bit more comfortable out there. So, uh, you know, that's another good thing that happened during this Astro series. But I guess to give a vague answer to your question, I would expect the Royals are back in the playoff hunt at the latest by 2020. I think it could be as soon as 2019, just because you've got some pretty decent starting pitching locked up for a while. You'll have Ian Kennedy back. There ain't no hell he's going to opt out of his deal. You'll have Danny Duffy. Hopefully you'll have Nate Carnes. And you've got guys coming up like Stomount and Junis and Skogland and who knows, maybe Kyle Zimmer someday. And obviously the Royals will probably get one or two back uh, via trade or continue to develop some via draft picks. So the Royals, I think, are in pretty good shape with pitching, which is a good thing going forward into 2019 and 2020. So hopefully Solaire will continue to hit and Bonifacio and, you know, Mondesi. So this this rebuild is not going to be anywhere near as long as the last one, I don't believe. I don't believe that at all. All right, we'll talk to you again very soon here on Clubhouse Conversation. Hopefully this was worth listening to. I know I kind of 
I don't know if I got off on a ramp, and I kind of went <laughs> went about four different ways, you know. But the ADHD was coming in, forgot my meds today. But hopefully you enjoyed listening. It means a lot. You can all subscribe to us at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter to follow, and of course subscribe here on the website as well. Have the podcast downloaded automatically into your iTunes. Make sure you bookmark us. And yes, we'll continue to have some more interviews soon. I know I've been slacking a bit. This has been an extremely busy year for me, but the, by no means am I not doing interviews anymore. We'll have some from time to time, and we'll get the former ones going again in the near future as well. Trust me, those are more of them coming. In the meantime, we've got thousands of hours, literally, of audio to listen to from past former player interviews. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to some of the former player interviews. You know, If you work out, take them while you run or while you walk or while you're driving to work. Or, you, know, you can download them, take them with you. You can stream them, do whatever you want. Uh, and lots of current Royals, you know, old Alex Gordon interviews and old Bonifacio interviews when he was in the minors and Scoglund interviews and Kevin McCarthy interviews and, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Um, Whit Merrifield interviews and, you know, a good majority of these guys that are in AAA or at the big league level have been talking to us the last few years. So hopefully you'll go back to get to know some of these guys as well. Okay, have a good night. Go Royals.